Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, I'm a programmer at TIFF now, and this is the other thing I do. My guest this week is Lee DeMarb, a filmmaker and old-school exhibitor who launched his career with a parody trailer for a martial arts picture called Harry Knuckles and made his first feature, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, in 2001. His subsequent films include The Dead Sleep Easy, Smash Cut, and the documentary Vampiro, Angel Devil Hero. And this month, his new film, Enter the Drag Dragon, is rolling across Canada. It's playing right now in Saskatoon through Thursday, June 15th at the Scotiabank Theatre, and opening in Toronto at Cineplex Young Dundas, June 23rd. It's very, very silly, but that's kind of the point. You know what's not silly? The Wild Bunch. Sam Peckinpah's 1969 hand grenade of a western about the end of the gunslinger era, starring William Holden, Ernest Borgnine, Ben Johnson, and Warren Oates as a gang of aging outlaws, and Robert Ryan as the ex-amigo determined to bring them to justice once and for all. It's about comradeship, last stands, and a man's word being just about all he has. It's about swagger and blood and the way the world rolls right past you no matter who you are. It's about Sam Peckinpah being kind of awesome. It's about a lot of things. And I'll let Lee tell you. This is someone else's movie. I go on dog walks. I go on three dog walks a day. They're about an hour long each. And one of them is with a 13-year-old boy and his father. And he all he wants to do is, when he grows up, be a filmmaker. Okay. And I keep talking about the Wild Bunch. And I tell him, you know, I think pound for pound, it is the greatest film ever made. <laughs> if you can appreciate what it takes to make a movie. You know, if you can, if you can appreciate, um, you know, everything that goes into setting up a frame, you know, um, pulling focus, uh, lighting. And most importantly with that film is putting the images together. I can shoot you and looking at William Holden <laughs> and the way those images come together, the way he, he, he creates a montage. It, it's, it's spectacular. I I've watched that movie with people. I watched it twice with this one woman who works at the Mayfair theater where I work and she walked out both times. Not, not because she was, she was not bored. She just wasn't into it. And she'd go for a cigarette or go get some more popcorn or go for really long bathroom breaks because she's sitting there not thinking about the process of filmmaking. She just thinks it's another stupid cowboy movie. But if you can, I don't know. If you, I, when I watch the movie, I just think about Sam Peckham about being behind the camera, knowing how to shoot every shot and sequence every shot. It's, it's, it's almost like it reminds me of Thor. <laughs> Thor is a powerful superhero because he's got a hammer. And Sam Peckinpah wields a movie camera like Thor wields a hammer. He he's got might behind the movie camera. He he him and John Woo, I don't know how to Stanley Kubrick, Russ Meyer. You know, when I'm watching their movies, I don't need an opening credit sequence to tell me who directed it. I don't need a closing credits to tell me who directed it. I can tell because their fingerprints are all over that movie. And in a way, I guess Wild Bunch is one of three films that he made where he had complete creative control, and it's his biggest film. So that's 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 the reason why I picked that one. I mean, I, I often, when people ask me my favorite movie, I'll, I'll say The Wild Bunch, or I'll say Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, or I'll say, you know, Eastern Condor, Samuel Hung. It always comes down to action, because action cinema really does, I think Tarantino said it recently, tests every ability you have as a filmmaker to put a moving image on the screen, you know, like there's filmmakers like Michael Bay who don't care about the sequence of images. They can, you know, the you know, last one ambulance had all these tremendous drone shots, but he doesn't care about way images are sequenced. He doesn't care about coverage. And to me, coverage is paramount when it comes to 
quality filmmaking. I always think about the quality of filmmaking. You know, some people, why did you like that movie? Because the quality of filmmaking, look how well it was made and the construction of it all. You can, Michael Bay is closer to a, you know, a, a music video director than a storyteller. Wherein Sam Peckinpah gets his incredible shots, his coverage, and his sequences of the shots. I want, even as lousy films, like um, I watched the Osterman Weekend recently because there's a brand new Blu-ray that came out. And there's this one shot in the movie in a car chase. I'm like, how did he know to put the camera there? How did he know to cut the cover of the shot from that angle? It blew my mind. I, I watched the new episode of Mandalorian last night, the episode, season three, episode one, and there was one shot and, I, and it made me think of Peckinpah. And I know Dave Filoni thinks about Peckinpah because the first se- episode of season one was a direct reference to Wild Bunch. Um, so there's this one shot. I'm like, there it is again. Like, it blow- I loved it. I love stopping for a moment, maybe even pressing pause, going back to watch a shot because I can't imagine how they got it or thought to get it. And Wild Bunch has that in spades. I don't know if that's a long-winded way of answering the question. <laughs> no, no, no. This show is about passion. It's absolutely. You know, like if, if you can care enough about a movie to address it from every single aspect, that's what I want. And I have to say, like, I'm surprised no one has picked it before. Guy Madden brought Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia onto the oh, show wow. four years ago, maybe even wow. five. Wow. And Peckinpah has just, we were talking about this before we started recording, he's just sort of, he hasn't disappeared exactly, but his movies don't have the cachet that they used to, which I find really bizarre because Tarantino has been doing everything he can to bring them back, right? Like yeah. it's it's not that Warner Brothers is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year, and I'm sure The Wild Bunch will turn up in some shape or form, but it's been weird to meet people who are much younger than we are and have them just completely unaware of who he was. Or if they do know him at all, it seems that they know Straw Dogs um, because of the controversy more than anything else, the way that it's been re-evaluated in the rearview mirror. It's not even a controversy. It's just there was a remake a little while ago and that brought people around to talking about the original. But yeah, he's just, he's not as prominent as he should be given how much of an influence his films have had and The Wild Bunch especially. Yeah, it's amazing. He's only what has he made nine films? He hasn't made a lot of feature films. That sounds right. When I, some when I watch his movies and I'll go back and watch them all, I sometimes wish he made more. Um, the Wild Bunch is, yeah, his impact. Uh, it, it, it's his, it's his visual, it's his style. I think that has the impact. You're right. Look, compare him to John Ford. John Ford and him are both synonymous for working in the same genre. Mm. John Ford made nine movies in two years, <laughs> a few times in his career, where Sam Peckinpah worked so long and made so little uh, and worked and did music videos. Um, I was thinking about The Wild Bunch, too, in, in relation to that, you know, when I think of his visual style, I think of he stylized and made, and made violence beautiful. And I'm not a fan of gun gun um glorifying gun play in movies i'm always aware when a filmmaker is being irresponsible with a gun in a movie i find it really really jarring um you know some film people actors directors think guns are are cool they probably go to shooting range with their friends and and then then there's filmmakers like john woo and sam pankapa who depicted in a different 
responsibly you know the the villain the guns always seem very sort of uh villain you know hor- horrific in a villain's hands and, and maybe heroic in a hero's hand um but when i i think about sam peckinbaugh it's the way he stylized action and and violence to make it look beautiful and john woo does the same thing and wild bunch is his third film his first film is deadly companions his second film is uh, the beautiful Ride the High Country. Neither of those films have that stylized action that John Woo uh, created or seemingly created until The Wild Bunch. And I was thinking about what it was about The Wild Bunch. Bonnie and Clyde came out the year before The Wild Bunch. Yeah, so, well, it was when I think he was shooting it when the first release happened. Yeah. And then the and second saw, was like the reevaluation the following right. spring. And he saw the slow motion violence depicted at the end of that movie. And I think he, I don't know this. He grabbed that and made it beautiful. He, he, he took that and, 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 and uh, added to it. He he created what, you know, he took what Arthur Hiller did in one moment and created a, created a, an orchestra out of that. Yeah. <laughs> and that would be the rest of his career. I mean, he, again, even his lesser films, even the, the, the crummy ones like Austin weekend, and convoy have moments uh where he sequences shot the slow motion the the way he cuts from two things happening at the same time like someone falling in the wild bunch someone gets shot and they fall off the top of uh across the street there's a from the bank there's a there's a there's they're hiding up on a rooftop the guy's falling and it cuts to someone falling off a horse him falling off the, the, the that sequence no one no one even really rips that off because they don't know how to cover movies it's it's so complicated to to cover an action scene and cut it so effortlessly um there was an italian filmmaker who ripped, who's the italian filmmaker who rips them off so much bruto mete but he does it well and 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 i love watching bruto maybe because sam peck and i didn't make a lot of movies i like watching the ripoffs <laughs> um and I guess yeah, Tarantino re- keeps referencing Sam Peckinpah, but hasn't captured that that visual uh, the visual oomph he has. Um, again, it's not just the slow motion shots; it's the way he cuts the cutting. That's the complicated part. That's so hard to replicate. John Woo comes. Uh, John Woo does it well. Face off, hard boiled. There's sequences in that movie that remind me of the best stuff of Sam Peckinpah. Um, it's, it's 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 it's. I find it very moving to watch. Yeah, the only other person I think who is doing it and doing it properly is maybe Edgar Wright these days. And he started with a Western. Like his first movie was A Fistful of Fingers, which never really got really, it was just more like a a childhood project. But I remember when Scott Pilgrim was shooting here, people were telling stories from the set about how like nobody on set could understand how he was working because he demanded a new setup for every shot, the way uh, a comic book panel, because it's hand-drawn, wouldn't quite yep. look the same from shot to shot. Yep. So from frame to frame, panel to panel. And so everything had to be slightly different. And then it cuts together and it's it's virtuosity. It's just beautiful to watch. I got pretty chummy. I was shot in Toronto. Oh, you're in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, I thought I was... That you might have been in the United States. I'll cut so it. My, my friend... I got pretty chummy with uh, Brad Allen, who worked on Scott Pilgrim. He did the action direction for Scott Pilgrim. He did Kick-Ass. He directed all the second unit photography on Solo. Mm. Brad Allen was Jackie Chan's stunt team leader. He was the only Caucasian member of the Jackie Chan stunt team. He's great in a few Jackie Chan movies like uh, Who Am I and Mr. Nice Guy. And he, when Jackie Chan did Saturday Night Live, 
he fought Brad Allen in the opening sequence of the show. Okay. Uh, Brad Allen recently passed. I think he passed last year, shockingly, and was tribute. There was a little small tribute to him at the Academy Awards. And well, they mentioned his name, but Brad, you know, I love Edgar Wright, and 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 he before that movie, he did incredible stuff. And again, when I I remember seeing Baby Driver, with my kids, my daughter on one side, and my son on the, and I kept elbowing him, like, look at that shot, look at that shot. And you know these these wonders he did in Baby Driver, and these wonders he does in Scott Pilgrim. It's sensational, but because he's worked with the, but he works with movie filmmakers like um, Alan uh, Brad Allen. Um, you know he gets to work with a guy who was Jackie Chan's right hand man, and you know this talk about Sam Peckinpah and the comparing to great filmmakers like John Woo. I have to throw into the mix Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung. Because Jackie Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan was making Young Master uh, for Golden Harvest. He was directing it. It was his big fir- first big studio movie that he was directing, and he he realized it was just another Chop Saki movie, and he took six months off. He halted production, and he watched movies. He watched American mu- musicals and Russian cinema, and he learned. You know, he learned cinema and then he, went, he goes back to the movie. And I swear you can see the birth of modern day action cinema halfway through Young Master. <laughs> and Sammo Hung, too. Sammo Hung said the third arm in the fight, the third fist in the fight is the cameraman. Uh, that the cameraman has to learn all the uh, the moves that the actors are moving so he can dance between the actors. And when I ever watch Corey Yoon's, Corey Yoon was the cameraman. He's, he's talking to the right hand is Corey Yoon. Corey Yoon directed The Transporter Part 1 and that choreography between the actors. And if you watch the camera moving between the actors, it's exhilarating. And it goes to what Sam Hung taught him as a filmmaker and what Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung were working in movies together. And they were, they were two great filmmakers working together. And I, I, I honestly do, do. They must've when, when Jackie Chan stopped making the young master to go back to make it again and make it a more cinematic movie. One of those movies must've been the wild one. Hey, it's Norm interrupting my own show to bring you up to speed on Shiny Things, my twice-weekly newsletter about physical media, pop culture, and the odd streaming project. This week, as promised, I finally covered Arrow Video's 4K release of The Last Starfighter and Paramount's Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves and the 4K box set of all the Transformers movies. I know. I know. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at shiny-things.ghost.io or find a link at the Simcast Twitter account. You like reading about movies? I like writing about them. Come check it out. It's funny. I, the Blu-ray Millionaire's Express just came out a couple of weeks ago, so I just, I just revisited that. Yeah, I got that. in the mail today. Yeah, I got and, in the mail today. Yeah, and it's like a proper <laughs> western shot in Alberta somehow um, that thinks it's a western but isn't really. It, it incorporates all these other things, and and you can just see like the love for the, the idea of dusty old towns and storefronts. Yeah, absolutely, it's in there. Yeah, that the, the the way Sammo hung that fight scene with him and Cynthia Rothrock at the bar when she's kicking the shit out of him and he turns it around on her the fight with with Richard Richard Norton and the the two Japanese uh samurais who chase mm-hmm. him he's got the flagpole and he's flipping around the way that shot the way it's covered the way the the way Sammo hung cuts the action sequences together it's it's some of the most exhilarating cinema I've ever seen in an otherwise kind of a silly dumb western it's it, the quality of filmmaking there is better than anything else that came out that year. Probably, I don't know what year it was, but what won the Academy Award that year? <laughs> Pales a comparison in my mind in terms of, you know, 
again, wielding a movie camera the way Sammo Hung does. And I would love to hear Sammo Hung talk about Sam, uh, uh, Sam Peckinpah. It all, to me, it, it must go back to him because no one stylized action before him. I guess you could say Arthur Hiller at the end of Bonnie and Clyde did it first. Maybe that's the birth of modern-day action cinema. But at the same time, that's that's just a death sequence happening. I don't know if you would call it an action sequence, but maybe it is. But may and you know, I always think about, I, you know, I always think of um, nineteen. Was it what what? Yeah, Wild Bunch is nineteen sixty nine. Yep, that was the same year as Easy Rider, right? Yeah. And I always think of Easy Rider and a little bit. Easy Rider is like Jesus Christ. Now I'm not trying to be preachy, but if you think of the Bible, there's the Old Testament and the New Testament, and what divides the Old Testament from the New Testament is the birth of Christ. And for me, I always thought of Hollywood cinema, classic Hollywood cinema is divided by modern day cinema by Easy Rider. <laughs> Easy, Rider Easy Rider sort of changed the visual stylistic of, of movie making, uh, not in, in, in a mainstream way. I'm sure there was, of course, there was a lot of experimental cinema made before that. But here was this mainstream movie that came out, looked the way it did. Even Dennis Hopper said it, it gave birth to music videos. Um, and that year was also Wild Bunch. And just before that was, was uh, again, Bonnie and Clyde. So the, in and around there is the birth of modern day cinema. And, and Wild Bunch is certainly a part of it. And it's, what is it? What's a butterfly effect? Wild <laughs> Bunch of the butterfly. Sam Peckinpah died in the 80s. But uh, his art is, uh, you know, we can still feel it in movies today. Like, like you said, Edgar Wright. Samo, I wish Samo Hung was making more movies. Jackie Chan's still making movies. J John Woo is about to release a, a new action film, which is really thrilling. Yeah. Um, I can't, but I can't put a lot of filmmakers up there. You know, Sam, Sam Peckham is one of those filmmakers, like a few, the few I mentioned. I feel like I'm in good hands. I love feeling like I'm in good. You know, everybody halfway through a movie and you know you're going to love the rest of it because you feel like you're in good. I remember seeing Bronson for the first time. In three shots into Bronson, I thought, I'm going to love this movie for the rest of my life. <laughs> three shots in, I was like, oh, what have I found? Police Story had the same when I watched Jackie Chan's Police Story. Like, no opening sequence. Like, oh, my God, where's this film been all my life? And I knew when I got to the end, I'd be just as satisfied. Um, and Sam Peckinpah, I don't know. Even, like, like think of those lousy films. Like, Convoy is regarded as a you know, a crummy little movie. I'm, I'm, I keep bringing him up, but I can watch those any day of the week, any time of day, because he still has that, that his style is still there, even though, you know, he was probably <laughs> drinking heavily and up, up to nonsense, but that also makes a hero out of him. I don't believe I don't like to promote substance abuse, but he's got some war stories that are, it's fun to laugh about here. People talk a lot of people. I think, don't have a lot of nice things to say about the man because I think he was hard to work with. Um, but you know, look at Chris Christopherson wrote that loving song about him. And um, I just think about uh, that limousine that was on the set of right after the wild bunch, he made uh, the, the battle of the cable Hogue. Yep. And apparently there was a limousine on set and there was a limousine at the airport too. And they were always driving back and forth because he was firing so many people making that movie. <laughs> But what a terrific film. What a, what a beautiful movie. Um, but again, it doesn't have the oomph. Nothing had the oomph as Wild Bunch because he had a perfect script. He had a great script. He was able to shoot it the way he wanted. He never had that creative control. He never fulfilled his 
talents as as well again as he did with Wild Bunch. Yeah, I I count myself lucky that I only saw his cut. Like for whatever reason, I just didn't yeah. get to see. Oh, right. Probably because it always looked so terrible. Um, it did, yeah, it did on VHS. Yeah, I mean, above and beyond the pan and scan, it just looked ugly. The color timing yeah. was all messed up, and and I never saw a decent print on TV that I could sit through. So I yeah. just kept waiting. I figured I'd see it in a the theater, and then it never showed up. And then finally, they released it for Warner's seventy fifth anniversary in the in his cut because finally NC-17 was no longer the, the barrier that it used to be. And even yeah. now it's still preposterously tame. There's just, there's no reason that film should have been rated the way as, as right. harshly as it was. Right. But, you know, it was the MPAA establishing the R rating for the first time and it just landed wrong. And so it was kind of, it was hobbled from the get-go. And then you see it and it's this, like it is his epic. It's it's He made longer films, he made more ambitious films, but this is the one that everything clicks on and and never never takes a step wrong and as you were saying about bonnie and clyde ushering in a new kind of cinema this movie is also about killing the old western um like this is what six months after true grit which is one of the corniest things you can say what you want about wayne's performance but it looks like it was made for tv you just stole the words out of my mouth yeah television production quality yeah it just has no ambition there's nothing. There's nothing uh, television quality about Wild Bunch, and you make me think of that scene in the movie because it, it does feel like it's set at the end of the West. It does feel like sometimes it's the last Western because they have that scene before the third act starts, where they go to town and they see a car for the first time, and they say, "Oh, look at that thing! Look at look! There's no horses!" And the guys like, "How does it run?" And then you know what? I saw one of those things up north that was flying in the sky, and and they're all they're all. Um, bewildered by this new technology coming in um the ballad of cable hogue has the same scene right at the end where they see a car for the first time and all these cowboys are like what the hell is that it's like when the internet was introduced to <laughs> lee how do i email my dad would always ask me <laughs> it does i like that i like a lot of westerns that seem to be set right at the end of the western um yeah, and you you could talk about the Viet. When I first I worked at West Coast Video here in Ottawa, and we had it on VHS. I took it home to watch, and I couldn't fin- I couldn't get through the first ten minutes of the movie. It looks so bad, and you don't get it when I'm watching it on on video. It, it, just, it was a poor transfer. It was Panascan, and I just thought it was a crummy movie. I didn't really get that the transfer was the reason why I wasn't liking it. And we're so lucky now. I feel like I see all these Blu-rays behind you. We're so we're we're living in the best era of home video. No one's buying. <laughs> blu-rays but uh we're the, the old movies aren't old anymore they look so good restored and i i had that leonard malton book beside my my remote control mm-hmm. and i read some of his reviews of these old movies and i'm watching a new restoration of an old movie that's probably never been on videotape before he gives it a crummy review in his book and i kind of want to tell him watch it again watch it now because it looks so good now you probably watched a crummy little vhs tape and you're reviewing the transfer you know subconsciously without oh realizing. yeah yeah well you think about the public domain stuff that was everywhere in the 80s because yeah. it was cheap and you could bring home citizen kane but it looked like it had been dragged through yeah you know six mud puddles and then stepped on uh the wild bunch yeah i mean honestly you you would believe the negative had been run over by horses on the day uh from yeah. those old transfers and you see it and i i first saw it in a theater at the at the press screening of the restored cut and it was just oh i just didn't get it until now i, I have not encountered this movie properly someone told me once that a lot of the vhs transfer were from 
not from the negative. They never started, were making uh, transfers from negatives until recently. They were transferring movies from 35 millimeter prints that were coming out of theaters. Mm-hmm. And some of these prints were probably played in the theater for a year. If the projectionist didn't like the way, uh, you know, someone's pubic hair looked in a scene, they would cut it out. You know, the manager would tell the projectionist, cut out that scene with that guy's dick. And they'd cut it out. And that's what would go to VHS. They, You know, if there was an accidental splice in the film, it would be on VHS for the world to see. And now for the first time, you know, that Million Millionaires Express Blu-ray that just came out, you know, that's a, I never thought that would ever see the light of day because the Chinese industry doesn't regard classics the way they regard them in North America. You know, a lot of these, you know, a movie would come out and a week later they would throw out the prints. The fact that they're finding prints and negatives and able to restore these movies. I feel so lucky that I can watch these movies. I loved as a kid now looking better. I'm sure millionaires express on your TV and your Blu-ray player looks better than it did at the premiere of the film in Hong Kong back in the day, the colors and the detail. It's so nice. And we're so fortunate to be able to see movies like that now. You know, whether they're Chinese, you know, like the, 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 some of these movies, these film noir movies that are getting these restorations, they look incredible. Movies where the cinematography is as much as a as much an element of the narrative necessarily yeah. as, as the dialogue or the, or the performances. Um, yeah. I mean, you could say that about this film, too. And I realize we only have about four minutes left. So I, the thing about the Wild Bunch, I mean, I, I'm fascinated by how people are going to take this episode because we've barely discussed the film and yet the, oh. the vibe of it is so com- is yeah. coming through so clearly. Um, you had said that the directors who picked up what Peck and Pie was putting down and ran with it are making these exhilarating, involved action sequences. The Wild Bunch has this sort of mordant tone where we're allowed to enjoy it, but we also know that there's an expiration date on this sort of stuff. Like these, these guys are already aging out. They're not aging out of their jobs. The world is moving beyond them. And so the fact that it is this kind of weird elegy for the West and the Western as they, as Peckinpah knew it, I think he's ready to burn it down and start something new. And his subsequent films kind of play that out because even Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid is nothing at all like a Western. It's just a, it's another, period of mourning for these guys yeah you make me think of the the imagery that peckinball uses and i don't think i noticed it before the wild bunch but in the opening sequence when they robbed the bank during the getaway and when the mayhem hits the streets he always photographs children observing the violence you know the kids are burning they take a scorpion and they put it down on the anthill and those kids watch the escape happen and all these people dying and it's like what is he saying you know on 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 the you know you know th- those kids now would be grow up to see the birth of cinema probably um but you know he's you know he how it's affecting the future and 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 he does that through it in a lot of his movies afterwards you always see children observing the violence and i you know what i guess it goes back to um eisenstein and the battleship potemkin you know the kids are watching the kids stroller goes down the staircase and all that violence is happening around it um and I, when i see it in new movies when i see kids observing the violence in new movies i think of peckinpah there's peckinpah again um yeah it's funny when i watch an old movie with William uh, William Holden that was released before The Wild Bunch. I'm like, Jesus, he's so old here. I'm surprised he did The Wild Bunch. <laughs> I mean, they're all, the only one who's not old is w- w- William. Uh, sorry, um, Warren Oates. And I, yeah, I who's I, always looked old anyway. 
I knew someone who knew, knew Warren Oates, and Warren Oates told him a story about the making of the Wild Bunch. I'd love to tell you about it because it's a really fu- funny to think about when you watch the scene. There's a sequence in the movie that's the poster image. There's a sequence in the third act. There's a gigantic action sequence. And when our four heroes are walking to face off the enemy, there's a long, there's a long shot with a long lens, and they're just kind of walking towards the camera, walking to their demise. They know if they start this fight, they're going to die. And it's a famous four shot mm-hmm. of Ben Johnson, Warren Oates, uh, uh, William William Holden, and Ernest Borgnine. And at the time, William Holden was a star. Ernest Borgnine was an Oscar winner. Ben Johnson was in every John Ford film was synonymous with the genre. But Warren Oates was an unknown actor. And the three of them were teasing him throughout the entire production. And it's a four shot and it's a really tight shot of them walking. And if you watch the shot, they're always trying to elbow and knock Warren Oates out of the shot. They're trying to push him out. And if you watch Warren Oates' hand, he's slapping. I think it's Ben Johnson. He's like, fuck off. Get away from me. I want to stay in this shot because it's going to make me an action star. <laughs> I love that I heard I, I got that story firsthand from someone who knew Warren Oates. So when I was in Mexico City, I was making a film called The Dead Sleep Easy. It was my fourth feature-length film. And uh, in the movie, the movie stars Martin Cove, and he plays a filmmaker who's making Wild Bunch Part 2. That's the film within the film. He never gets to finish it. And not a lot of the movie has had to do about the making Wild Bunch 2, but it's always something in the background. And I remember we were shooting the movie, and the star of the movie was this wrestler named ian hodgkinson from kingston ontario who was the biggest name in mexican wrestling at the time and martin cove took me aside and said lee i don't think ian has ever seen the wild bunch and i'm like he's why yeah he probably hasn't why would a mexican wrestler watch the wild bunch so he's like well don't you think he's got to see that movie before we finish this film so we rented a restaurant we rent, rented a restaurant uh, downtown uh, Guadalajara, Mexico, and all to ourselves. And we had a screening of the Wild Bunch uh, in in in, the, in this restaurant. And we we had cigars. We, we were barbecuing strawberries and chocolate and fermenting the cigars and the strawberries and chocolate. And I was sitting in the front in the front of the restaurant with Martin Cove, talking about the Wild Bunch and gussing about every shot and every cut. And the wrestler sat behind us and. I knew Martin didn't know he was on his cell phone the whole time. <laughs> the star of the movie didn't pay attention once he was on, but Martin and I had such a good time watching. And Martin, Martin Cove's agent also represented Jerry Fielding, who scored the movie. So Martin was the one who told me the story about um you know the, the Warren Oates story from the Wild Bunch. And he had so much insight about the film. And that hacienda at the end of the Wild Bunch still stands in Mexico. I'd love to get down there and go and go visit it. Apparently, if you dig deep into the sand, you can find bullet casings left over from when they shot that movie. I don't know if in 2023, but that was a legend back in the day. Oh um, man, that's a yeah. pilgrimage worth making. Yes. Yes. It's like I've been to the the the, the mall from Dawn of the Dead, <laughs> and I want to go to the Hacienda from the Wild Bunch, and uh, I want to go there and and take a, a hot tub bath with Ben Johnson and, and a couple of Mexican prostitutes. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But it's, <laughs> it's a funny sequence in the movie. <laughs> I, I can't go that. home again. <laughs> My thanks to Lee Demarb whose new film, Enter the Drag Dragon, is playing in Saskatoon at the Scotiabank Theatre right now through Thursday, June 15th. It opens in Toronto and Cineplex Young Dundas June 23rd, and then it'll be rolling throughout other Canadian cities over the summer. Thanks also to Ingrid Hamilton. She knows what she did. 
You can find Lee on Twitter at DrunkenMaster2. That's the word drunken, the word master, and the numeral two, with no spaces. And you can find The Wild Bunch on Blu-ray and DVD from Warner Home Entertainment. It's also streaming on the Classics app in the U.S. and Canada, and available to rent or buy on various VOD platforms. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner, and you can find this podcast there at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. The first year of the show is still available for just 20 bucks at payhip.com semcast. That's the first 52 episodes of Someone Else's Movie, 44 of which aren't currently available anywhere else. And check out my newsletter, Shiny Things, at shiny-things.ghost.io. I think you'll enjoy it. Our theme song is by the last year. If you like it, or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been listening. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're doing that. Stay safe. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out. Get your booster when you can. I'll see you next week.